of the living geek. Moshi everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of Super Sugoi Cast. My name is Justin. And I'm Alex. And this week we're going to get right back into talking about Voltron, the legendary defender. The legendary defender. The legendary. There's no the. the. It's It's just just legendary defender. Yeah, which they're really not legendary at this point in time. No, but Voltron is the legendary defender. Otherwise Um, it would say legendary defenders for each of the pilots. Well, he can't be very legendary if he has no pilots that can control him properly. No, but he's legendary because they've known about him for 10,000 years. So legendary in status. Yeah. <laughs> Got, it. Got it. All right. So where you can see this legendary hero is on Netflix, and it's only on Netflix. It's a Netflix original, and they teamed up with DreamWorks. We finished up the series watching episodes 7 through 11 of yeah. 11. Normally, we try to watch 12, but they just didn't have a 12th episode for us. <laughs> no, not yet. So um, if you don't remember, the plot is five young pilots are chosen to be paladins of robot lions during an intergalactic war with the Galra Empire. It's been a couple weeks because we had our Star Wars recap, so yes. we understand. <laughs> yeah. You guys might have forgot that was the anime we left off with, let alone what its plot was. Maybe you guys have finished the series now as well, so what we're going to talk about is stuff you guys might already know. So, Which makes it easier for us because then there's no spoilers. Exactly. No spoilers. <laughs> We left off with the Paladins making their way back to Balmera to help free the Balmerans. That were enslaved by the Galra. Yeah. Of course, you know, it's a trap. This, yeah. You, you knew it was going to happen. It's a trap. They end up having to fight a giant robot just like them. It's not just a robot. It's like a, it's, I don't know, it's like a sentient robot monster yeah. thing. Because that it, also happened the last time, too, mm-hmm. remember? It was made of metal, but it had eyes a lot of them. And a lot of beams that yeah. came out of the eyes. Yeah, in his arms, and his face, and his mouth, and his actual eye sockets. Yeah, but they couldn't figure out how to fight it. It's weird, though, because this is the second, like, robot sentient being they've sent that they made look like a beast more so than, like, a robot. Like, this one had sharp teeth on his mouth, and it was just kind of like, why? Why not? Because it's scarier that way. I guess, but it's unnecessary for a robot to have sharp teeth. I think it's always necessary. If you're going to have a scary robot, it has to have red eyes. Okay. And sharp teeth. This one shot green beams. That's fine. It's Laser beams red. are kind of good for robot fights. You know, have you ever noticed that when like robots shoot beams, it's like the all-powerful beam always comes from the chest? Because like, that's like that's where the heart is. The chest so or like, like the pfft. mouth or something like that. Always. Yeah. Never like the hand cannon. No, it's it's always the chest or the mouth. Yeah. It's really weird. Well, if you think about it, the chest is the largest point of the body most of the time. Yeah, so you so, think it's got the most like... The most power behind it. It would have Fair the enough. biggest the, power source. Yeah. The circumference. So it would be like a big Boom. beam instead of just like a little hand beam. Yeah, that's true. To kind of get back into it, when we were talking about they were battling this robot, they ended up learning that the planet, the Balmera, which is a, a sentient being in itself, yeah, um, is dying. It doesn't have any more crystals, which is kind of like its own fuel source in a sense. Yeah, it's like the life source. It's its life source, but it grows them and it doesn't mind giving them off if, as long as it's being replenished. So it's dying, and so they're doing their best to not do any further damage to the planet. But it's also collapsing in on itself mm-hmm. um, because it can't stay alive for very much longer. So all the people, all the Balmerans that are on the inside in the mines and stuff are becoming trapped, and they can't get out. So Princess Allura ends up sacrificing most of her life force in order to save the Balmera and mm-hmm. save the people in at the same time. She ends up finding from like the AI, uh, her dad's an AI on the ship, Kind of like what they have for like the paintings in Harry Potter. Yeah, they put their memories and stuff into something so yeah. that way they can live on. They they don't like necessarily grow and learn, but they have what they had in their past knowledge and are able to kind of use that and still have a functional conversation. Um, he ends up like, explaining to her the past rituals when they would take the crystal because the crystal's energy sources for the ships and stuff out there in space. So mm-hmm. she in turn gave back to the Balmera for giving them crystals and turn around and save the planet. And then the Balmera thanks them by encasing the monster in a giant crystal, mm-hmm. and that way it can't move, because they, they couldn't beat it. Like, if they would have had to continue fighting it, I think they would have lost. They, they, were, they were on the defensive the whole time. They could have never gone offensive, because they were trying to save the planet, but even if they wanted to, they didn't know how, because yeah. what couple things they did try failed horribly. Right. So, anyway, the Balmerans were then liberated, and they were able to live on their planet peacefully, and... 
their There's beast no more planet. Yeah, yeah, no more Galras there anyway. But then since Allura left most of her life force trying to save the planet, mm-hmm. she had to recover. So she ended up spending most of her time in the simulator with her father's AI and yep. just kind of remembering things and talking the with past. him. And, and so then you also have, like, everybody's kind of doing their own little thing, training, eating, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And you have, um, I don't know if you guys remember the first six episodes, the ship had been taken over by the Galra for a little bit. And so there was a Galra crystal mm-hmm. on the ship and Pidge was investigating it, trying to find out. Trying to hack it. Yeah, its source and its powers and stuff like that. And trying to get info from it, too. And while at the same time, Shidro and a few of the others are trying to investigate Sendak, who was the one who had originally taken over the ship. Yeah, he was like one of the lieutenants or the commanders or something. And they have him hostage right now in a cryopod. So there's like a way they can harvest his memories in a sense to try to see if they can get any info. It's like Dumbledore style. Yeah, with the the pensies. Yeah, they pull out his memories and like keep them in a big liquid case. Exactly. So So they can watch his memories later. They're trying to do the same thing that they did with Allura's father's memories. While they're attempting to get these memories out of Sendak, everyone starts to do their own thing. Instantly, Hunk gets to the kitchen, and he starts getting attacked by, like, the food dispenser hose. The entire castle just kind of goes crazy on them. Yeah. Yeah. It made me think of Event Horizon, because the ship, like, turned against them and started Mm -hmm. attacking them in different ways and stuff like that. It was really crazy. It was, and it turns out that the Galver crystal that the Pidge was trying to hack into ended up corrupting the castle's computer system and stuff. Mm -hmm. Shiro went crazy, and he ended up being like... Sendak was talking to him in his mind and stuff, and so he ended up ejecting the pod out he, into space. He straight up just committed murder. Yeah, he did. He was just like, I can't handle this, and he like shot him out into space, and it was like... So but Sendak! <laughs> we're, we're watching an animated show. In theory, kids are going to be watching this, and I don't know if the kids are going to assume that he's dead now, but it's pretty safe to say that he literally just killed that guy. Yeah. Well, and then don't forget, too, Keith. Was it Keith? Yeah. Keith almost got killed because the ship coerced him to go into the airlock, and he almost got sucked out into the airlock. Yep, like, yep. Just and like in Event Horizon. No, that was Lance. Oh, it was Lance? Lance was oh, going right. to be killed Keith's, by the Keith was like, gonna save him. level 4 AI battle bot that right. was supposed to stop with the program would never finish. Yeah. Which, by the way, I would really love to have a training room like that. Right? That would be awesome. Like, so... The AI of Aluro's father kind of like corrupted her and made her see things that weren't really there. It had her believing that she was gonna, that her planet was still alive mm-hmm. and that they were gonna go to it. And he was leading her to go there and all this stuff, but it turns out that she was really flying them into the sun. Yeah. So they were all like literally about to die. Yeah. And then they finally pulled her out of her trance and everything. And she had to go run and figure out how to basically kill her father's memories. Yep. And then she did it. She got rid of him because she knew that Voltron was more important. So here's where the thing like that confused me at the point. And I guess it ended up making sense later on in the episode. So the AI needed a wormhole to open up to the star, the exploding star that he was going to port them to so they can all be killed, right? Mm-hmm. Well, why didn't he just do that in the first place? Well, later on, they need Allura's, like, genes or her... Something about her anatomy that's what opens the wormholes for the ship. Otherwise, they can't create one. Oh, I didn't catch that. Oh, wait, yes, I did. The AI needed her to believe that she was going back home so that she could open a wormhole before he completely locked everybody out of the systems. Yeah, that makes sense. In my mind, I thought that he needed her to do it because he was just an AI, so he wouldn't be able to physically touch the controls. Mm -hmm. So that's why I thought he needed her to do it. See, that's, that's probably what they want you to think at first. But yeah, so she ends up killing her father's memory. It was kind of a sad moment. You know, she's not healthy, she's recovering, and then she has to kill the one living thing that kind of connected her to Earth. Sorry, Altea. So they end up finding a Gaul report, and we learn that Allura can, like, kind of camouflage herself, and she turns into one of the Gaul re- sentinels, yeah. I guess you could say. So she, like, grew taller, and her skin color changed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then she got some armor. And um, they discover on this port that the Galra are harvesting quintessence in a new form, and it's like liquid. Yeah. And it's how Zarkon has been keeping himself alive for 10,000 years. Keith sees this, like, hooded figure and follows her. He ends up getting caught and having a battle, and, like, he gets hit with poison? I can't remember exactly what it was. It was the lightning. Yeah, it was the lightning. That's right. Like, it burned his hand. Well, he busted into one of the quintessence, like, jugs, and it splashed all over him, and it healed him. That's how we kind of put it two and two together, that that's what's been keeping Zarkon alive this whole time. Yeah, that's true, because they didn't fully explain that, no. but they had, like, tons and tons of jars exactly. of it in that room, so... 
We're just kind of taking a guess there. Since all of this battle is happening on this port and everything's getting really dangerous, Allura allowed herself to get captured in order for the paladins to narrowly escape. Yep. And they ended up having to leave her behind, obviously. So everybody was really upset about that. And they had to go through this big thing where it was like, do we go back and get her? Do we leave her? I don't know what to do because we are not the best pilots. And if we go in now, they could potentially take Voltron. But... They ended up going in to rescue her. Turns out that she's been taken to, like, the main mothership. Like, yeah, yeah. That happens to be where Zarkon is. He, they take her to his ship. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, the big bad guy. So it's like, this is a terrible decision, but they kind of need to do it. So all the paladins get in their, their lions, you know, they fly out and they form Voltron. And it kind of goes to a scene where Zarkon talks to a bunch of his lieutenants and says, all right, let's do it. And the next thing you know, there's just, just this blast that goes out and he separates all the lions, unforming Voltron. Yeah, I don't know how they did that. I don't know either. Him and, him and the witch. Yeah, like, it was crazy. Put their powers together and yeah, it was kind of crazy. Yeah, so all five lines are separated now and you know four lines are going to do their own thing but of course she and the black lion for whatever reason have some kind of connection in this like retractor beam yeah it's like they're it's stuck. pulling them in right yeah you end up finding out that zarkon is the old black lion's leader and he's saying that she is not strong enough and he's able to like get him ejected from the lion the lion like spits him out literally which is crazy to think right so then while that's happening the other paladins grab allura and they're trying to get back out of the mm -hmm. ship at this moment and Shiro's there trying to fight Zarkon, and so is Keith. Keith. Yeah, it is Keith this time. I don't know why I always confuse Keith and Lance. I don't know either. But it's so different. I know. But <laughs> so anyway, so then Keith is there, and he's trying to battle Zarkon with his red lion, and it's just not going all that well, because Keith is very weak compared to Zarkon, and Zarkon's not even using the lion. No. He's it, only using he's his got, weapon. Which is also the same kind of weapons all the paladins have, which right. kind of further explains that he was an old paladin well and allura knew that too because when they grabbed her she was like oh no don't don't let him get here. near the black lion you yeah. know and it was like oh, well it's also how crazy too he's he's understands the full power of these lions and his weapons he was using his little like hand thing to mm -hmm. make a shield a sword a gun a yeah hammer he a knew mace, how to use like, everything it was crazy it was he was awesome so anyway, then they ended up getting each other after this fight, and they escaped and everything, and mm -hmm. Allura had to use her powers to make a wormhole, but then as they were leaving, the witch ended up blasting more like crazy lightning stuff mm -hmm. into it right behind them, and it made the wormhole get really unstable, and what ended up happening was all the paladins ended up getting separated again, mm -hmm. and they ended they, up like, falling. They like fell out of the ship. Yeah, yeah. and they ended, we don't know where they're going. Yeah, and well, that's luckily the they're in it. their lines. Yeah, yeah, at you, least they're in their lines. Like think of like the wormholes you see for like Doctor Who if you ever watch that. Like it's a it's a tunnel and they're like flowing through it and all mm -hmm. of a sudden like one line flows out one wave and like another and then like so they're yeah. probably all going to end up in completely different areas in the like Hopefully space. they'll end up in the same time zone. I mean, Something. I don't think the wormholes would affect the, you know, time stuff cuz usually that's a black hole, not a wormhole. Yeah, I guess. I would assume that they're all going to end up being, you know, in just different areas of the world or yeah. of the universe. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, who knows which space, like, they're in. Like, time probably the same, but for all they know, they could yeah. be a million, like, well, light years away. Yeah, I was just saying, because you compared it to, to Doctor Who. Sorry, yeah, Doctor he's Who a does time space traveler. and time. Yeah, So yeah. I was just, yeah. Good clarification. Um, you know, there's something I did want to kind of go back into. This show had a lot of death, if you think about it. It did. It was a more mature animated show, but it wasn't mature as in, like, adult. It didn't adult. show it, but you just kind of have to assume, because the ships aren't just all controlled by robots. They're controlled by humans or aliens or whatever, and mm -hmm. these guys are going in there, and they're just blowing these ships up with yeah. innocent prisoners on That's there. That's what I was going to say. Like... They blew up that one, and we, we already knew that they were housing prisoners in yeah. there, so it was like, okay... I guess all those guys are gone. So they literally just, again, committed mass murder, supposedly, in the name of good. Yeah. And they're not just killing the bad guys. No, yeah. But it doesn't make you think about that. No, That's it doesn't. That's more of, like, adult and thoughts. Exactly. You know what I mean? Kids obviously aren't going to see that or think about it like that. But that's well, maybe. Instantly, the first thing I thought, I was like, are you serious? Like, there's supposed to be prisoners on these ships, and they are just killing them yeah. all. Yeah. I've, I've thought so far that it's been a great show. It's been very entertaining. It's been all right. I, uh, I like it, but at the same time, it's a little too slow for me at oh, certain really? points. Yeah. The story's not so involved that it super keeps me going like some of the animes do. I'll continue watching it, but I'm not going to make it like a priority versus some other animes that I'm currently watching. 
Season 2 was announced, though, at Comic-Con this year. And Season 2 will be out later this year, although it's almost September now, so they don't have a whole lot of extra time, so we're assuming it's going to come out pretty soon. Yeah. I also found out that there are comics about Legendary Defender. So there's two storylines of events that were too long for the series, basically. Because they were like, well, we only have 12 episodes. We're going to take these extra adventures and just put them into comic form. Um, the first series is being published now. There's five issues of it, but I think they're only on issue four right now. So the fifth one is still to come, and then the second storyline will come out after that. Oh. But the cool thing about it is that it's written by the head show writer, and the art's by the same people who did the art for the show. That's so awesome. It is, yeah. So when you get the comics, it looks exactly the same. Are they going to be like shipped out manga style? Do you know if they say anything about that? I have no idea. They look like comics, not manga. Uh, from what i saw online but i didn't actually like super look into it Mm -hmm. so i don't know exactly if you guys don't remember why we even really chose this uh anime because we watched it in english you know it was suggested and it's not an anime (laughs) it's not yeah it's not an anime but uh it was suggested to us by at jolly andy and asked if non-japanese cartoons can be considered anime yeah Um, and i still hold to my belief that this is not you I don't can't think it consider is it an anime. There's some similarities, but it's not. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to go back to episode 26, I believe it is when we originally discussed this, yep. and we went kind of more in depth with the conversation on whether we think it is or isn't, why it should or shouldn't be considered an anime. It, it's it's a pretty in depth conversation. And we both give good opinions. I but just don't think it is either. No. Yeah. It's a like, good show. It's a good show. They tried. They mm-hmm. used a lot of influences that you can see, but it I can't consider it anime. I can't consider it an anime either. But to go into another Netflix original that is an anime. Yes, we, which is our next show. It's our next show. It's um, We chose Magi, Adventure of Sinbad. I'm not sure if it's Magi or if it's Magi or if it's Maggie. It's not Maggie. I think I want to say Magi because it's like magic in yeah. a sense. So it's like it's, but then it would be Magi. Magi, yeah, I guess. Magi. 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 <laughs> I, I don't know. That's a really, that's a good question. But it does, you, you assume it's shortened for or meaning of magic because I this assume show it's and shortened for magicians or like magical yeah, things, magi. Like beings. Because it's the same yeah. thing for, uh, what's the show we watched with the girls that, um, like the witches? Madoka? Puella Magi, Madoka Magica. Yeah. Same kind of thing, right? Yeah. So I guess it's probably Magi. Yeah. Because it's the Japanese word. Yeah. That makes more sense. So I wonder what it means. Magi. Anyway. Magic. Okay, so Maji Adventure of Sinbad. It's a Netflix original. We watched episodes 1 through 6 of 13. So I think this is going to end up making up for the fact that we only watched 11 episodes for Voltron. We're going to oh, watch 13 right. for this then one. We'll still get our even 12. Yeah, for the two. <laughs> so what's happened so far is you follow a teen, Sinbad, as he captures dungeons to gain enough power to become king and change the world for better. In the very first episode, we see that Sinbad has this, like, weird connection to the sea. Like, mm-hmm. he's like a toddler on the boat with like his dad. Four, yeah. yeah. And he's, they get lost in a storm or whatever. Like a pretty and, bad storm at yeah, that. Yeah, and he, like, navigates them out Yeah, somehow. he, like, crawls on his like, dad's oh, back. Oh, go that way. He's like, go that way, yeah. yeah. No, it was weird. So, apparently, he can see waves and, like, the flows of air well, currents and on. stuff like Let's that. Let's backtrack for one sec to why we should say that this kid even can sense waves and the flow of things. They show his birth. And, like, this huge, like, sonic wave erupts around the whole world. And anybody who has, like, any kind of magic sensed that this great being was just born. Really? I don't remember that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That great being was Sinbad. So that kind of preluded to this. So Sinbad ends up meeting this mysterious wizard person who shows up in his village. And the magical person ends up telling him about these dungeons that are, that have been appearing all over the world and stuff like that mm-hmm. and he's like yeah if you go in there you can get all this crazy power and you can become a king and you can change the world because nobody likes the world that we're in right now because yeah. it's full of war it's basically just two great powers constantly fighting and it's ruining a bunch of people's lives including his own he yeah. got his father killed because they just kind of draft people and you don't have a say in it yeah they just kind of go hey we need you to get into the dungeon and then you go die. <laughs> yeah, basically. Well, you end up meeting Dracone, I think is how you say his name. His real name's something really ridiculous long. and like 12 names long and yeah. something like that. <laughs> He's the younger brother of the current prince to become king of one of the nations. Yeah, something, something like that. Like th- it's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> but he comes to specifically get Sinbad to go into this dungeon because Sinbad's been ignoring all the letters calling him to war. Yeah. 
he basically gives him an ultimatum. Either show up or we kill your whole like family in this town. Which is ridiculous because they're just losing out on more people who would go into the war for them. But, you know, yeah. just saying. So this is where the magician shows up and tells Sinbad about the dungeon and the things. And his mom, who's sick and dying, tells him, go on your adventure. You need to do this. Yeah. Stop taking care of me and live your own life. Yeah. So Sinbad shows up and Dracone is like, where is this kid? He's supposed to be here. Well, Sinbad's already at the top of the dungeon going in without them. They end up going through and, of course, Dracone's army is all dead. Sinbad ends up having to save Dracone while they're in there, and they battle, and they get to the final boss together. Yeah, which is this big crazy dragon thing, and they had to kill it and take its eyes and use its eyes as keys in order to get through the door, Yeah. in order to get to the djinn, which was this big genie guy. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, Which was actually kind of neat that they had, like, a mini boss before they went into the final boss, which was the djinn, but they didn't even have to fight the djinn. It... Well, he gave them a challenge. Yeah, which was basically who oh, no, was the not strongest of the two. Yeah. yeah. And so they had to fight each other. Exactly. And Sinbad being able to ride the waves of... Yeah, he's like this crazy acrobat. He, he, can, like, he does like parkour. Things. Yeah. <laughs> he, the, the, so his power isn't that he's got like magic beams or flames or nothing like that. He can just like sense the flow of movement. And like once he disarmed Dracone, who was like this like expert sword fighter, he knew he was gonna win like in fisticuffs. Yeah, basically. And he like flipped around the room like Yoda mm-hmm. and like Yoda. Yeah, and did some crazy stuff and won. Yeah, he, <laughs> he wins and so the Jin's like, Alright, I recognize you as the I guess all powerful of the people who came into this and he like puts himself into Sinbad's blade. He has like this little like star symbol. Uh, I don't know what the symbol is. It's some sort of sigil. Yeah, some sort of sigil, but basically he uses that to summon the power of this djinn, which is lightning, I think, at this point. Yeah. And it gives him, like, lightning bolts and... Stuff. Strength and stuff. Yeah. So, after that, they leave. Well, first off, he goes back to his town and finds out his mom was literally on her last breath. Yeah. What seemed like it had only been maybe a day, hours, in this dungeon had actually been two months. That's right. I forgot all about that. And he was like, are you serious? I've been gone for two months? Like, it... The time, obviously, in between the two worlds is vastly different. Mm-hmm. It's Which, like Avalon. Yeah. My question is, how the heck did they survive? Because it's not like they brought any food with them. Were they eating dragon? Or to them, is it still really only a day so they don't get hungry? That's what I think. I think time flows differently in the dungeons. Yeah, that makes sense. Like Avalon. That's what happens when you're on Avalon. I don't know about Avalon. What is Avalon? An hour on Avalon is a day in the real world. What is Avalon? Avalon is the mystical land where King Arthur is buried. That doesn't help me. King Arthur? Yeah, I know King Arthur, but why okay. don't I know of this Avalon? I don't know. Where is Avalon? Is it on Earth somewhere? Yeah. It's it's a mystical island somewhere Did where Magellan King Arthur take is him buried. There? Magellan? My bad, Jad. My bad. Wrong wizard. Wrong, wrong magi? Right. Wrong, wrong magi. Which, which Merlin? Magi- Merlin. Merlin. Yeah. Who did I say? Magellan? You said Magellan. Who the hell's Magellan? Why you don't do know, know who Magellan is? <laughs> Oh my goodness, stop. Magellan? <laughs> that was a shoe insole. No, what? I'm Magellan. I'm Are you Magellan? Magellan? No. <laughs> oh my god. You're not allowed. <laughs> Alright, so Merlin put <laughs> King Arthur in Avalon. Okay, oh god. Alright, let's go back to the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, he says, seriousness, all seriousness, he says goodbye to his mom, because his mom passes away, basically, oh, in his yeah. arms. <laughs> That's a good moment to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel terrible. He says goodbye to his mom, and he goes on this adventure that the wizard he met before he went into the dungeon like told him to go on. And so he ends up traveling on the sea, and he meets this guy battling like a giant sea creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was like, like a, a whale. With, a narwhal, yeah, with like a giant red like horn. Mm-hmm. Well, he's losing, and Sinbad ends up like one shotting it with like a giant lightning bolt. He did because he used the power of his gin. Yeah, which we find out is really strong. And he saves him from this big creature, and we find out that he's a prince. And when they go back to the village, this new dungeon shows up nearby, and the prince wants to prove himself to his father by going alone. Because after seeing Sinbad as this little kid who defeated a dungeon by his self, and like he's got all this crazy power and whatever, and this mm-hmm. prince had to get rescued by him, and this prince is huge. He's like this big buff guy, yeah, like a viking. Like, he's basically Aquaman. He just can't talk to sea creatures. But like new Aquaman. Yeah, and like, he like new... doesn't freeze. The dude's like shirtless in snow. Yeah, he's like Khal Drogo of the snow. Yeah, basically. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, he wants to prove himself, and he goes to the dungeon by himself, and Sinbad 
follows him because they're like, oh no, he went by himself. What a bad idea. Yeah, and so, then you end up finding out that Dracone's there as well with a team of assassins and they follow him into the dungeon as well. And they end up making it to the final room again because Sinbad is all powerful, I guess. In and, a sense, yeah, yeah, he's just smart. He's so smart, in fact, that when they're in the final room, he tricks everybody to work for him and well, he ends up stealing the prize. You gotta. No, he kinda... was he was shady and he no. stole it. That's not what I'm gonna say. You gotta at least explain to the people why he had to get them as a team, right? Because that was the point of winning the room. You had to work together as a team in order to catch this cat, which no one knew you were talking about. Doesn't matter. That wasn't now. important. The thing was was that he tricked everybody into letting him win the power from the gin. He's shady. I don't like this shady Sinbad. But he gives like this huge speech at the end of it, and he ends up convincing not only this warrior. But Dracone, who, like, hates him, and these three assassins who are actually there to supposedly kill him, to join his team. Yeah, he has followers now. And this is where I think he's got, like, that power from when he was born. It's not that he's a super powerful, like, mage by any means. the power of persuasion. Basically, yeah, like, he's got the power (laughs) of, like, the great leader. The power to move you. (laughs) Khaleesi from Game of Thrones. She's got the bloodline in a sense and this is kind of what he's got he's got like that like power to be a great leader and bring this world of turmoil to an end we got another seven episodes to go i don't know though what do you think so far like for me i'm just kind of like oh there's a lot of things about this that don't make sense to me like what like why Why he was born he was born that's why (laughs) yeah he was born with this power to be a great ruler i guess I don't know, but, like, they're not explaining why he's going to different places. Like, okay, he defeated the first dungeon, and then all of a sudden he's in the Arctic waters? For what? Because that was his... Mm -hmm. The mage was telling him, like, you need to go and take over this dungeon, and you get that power, and by getting that power, you can become king and rule over everyone. But he didn't say anything about extra dungeons popping up. He doesn't know where they are. He's just decided to go... But my point is, is that they didn't show any, like, conversation after or anything. It was just all of a sudden he was in Arctic water somewhere. I don't like it because (laughs) I don't know. I want to know his motivations. I want to know where he's going and why he's doing things and stuff like that. And this doesn't give me that. His motivation is to become king. And it's not like he's going out searching for dungeons. The dungeon just happened to be there and he went for it. So then what was he doing in the first place then? He's exploring. I don't like it. He said he was going to go explore the world. There's not enough. I think the show is too slow. Yeah. I think the first few episodes took too long to explain that Sinbad's father was a good father. I think the only reason why they did that was to show that, like, Sinbad is going to grow up to be a great person. I guess. Like, having the, the strong will of his father to not harm innocents or people that don't need to be harmed and not needing to go to war because war is bad. But also, at the same time... It wasn't needed. Yeah. Yeah. They spent, like, three episodes on it. The next three episodes were taking a dungeon, exploring to a new land, and taking another dungeon. So. I, I don't know. I feel like it's missing stuff. Like it there's is. just there's not enough detail, but then yeah. at the same time there's too much detail in the wrong areas. Yes, exactly. Like the show in itself, I feel like what it wasn't thought out well when they mm-hmm. made it. So they're just showing us random plot points. Yeah. Instead of connecting the dots. I think it's because maybe Netflix doesn't have the same resources as some of like the animes we do watch on the Crunchyroll where there's 700 episodes. Yeah. So they realize, okay, well, we can only do 12, 13 episodes a season and we have to try to do this in the best way possible and maybe. get rid of non-necessary information. So they're probably just trying to grab what you need to know so that you can go on. That could very well be. They'd be better off doing 24 episodes a season and getting more details that actually matter and not spending some wasted time on things that are unnecessary. Well, it's not like Netflix wrote this, though. So you think the manga was just sketched out and, like, spaced and missing things? Well, okay, here's what I think. So the show in itself is spinoff slash prequel to another show, mm-hmm. Magi, the Labyrinth of Magic. This particular one started off as a manga and then as an OVA series mm-hmm. of, like, five different things. Mm-hmm. So I think each of these plot points was an OVA or a chapter in the manga. I see. So they don't really know how to connect them, Mm -hmm. and they're just turning those into into a show. Okay. Yeah, that's what I think happened. Interesting. Having said that, though, the series has been continued as a bi-weekly web manga Mm -hmm. before the anime came out. Mm -hmm. So I think they just don't have a lot of content to work with. Yeah. But it is beautiful to look at. I still think it's not a terrible show. Yeah, it's missing things, and it's got gaps. 
but I don't necessarily always need a fill-in for that gap. Mm-hmm. I just kind of enjoy the show for what it's telling me. I understand that it's him forming a team trying to become a king, and what happens in between there is what they're obviously going to show in the random episodes. Yeah. And I think that's all right. I look forward to watching the next seven episodes. This is one series that I think I don't need to finish watching, but obviously I will. That's a first. So, I know. That says a lot for you, because you watched almost everything we watched and finished it out. Yeah, pretty much. Even though, like, we still have a lot to finish on some of the other shows. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's just so much. And, like, Crunchyroll, there's, like, 80 episodes for an anime. It's just ridiculous. Moving on from our two... From anime our two? Seri- from the two anime series <laughs> <laughs> that we watched this week, we decided to go check out... It's not really an animation. Well, I mean, it is an animation, right? It's an animation. We decided to go check out the new animated movie, Kubo and the Two Strings. Why don't you explain the plot to these people? Okay, I guess I could do that. Yay! This is an original story. Even though it takes place in ancient Japan, it's not like based on any um, any Japanese lore or okay. anything like that. Yeah. I wasn't sure until I was like looking into it. We won't give you any spoilers because the movie is right now in theaters still, mm-hmm. so I don't want to like ruin anything. Limited in our area, but it was it's yeah. Out. There's only like when we went, there was only two show times every day. Yeah. So it's like weird. Yeah, I think it's because we live out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But you know, just saying. So we'll give you the synopsis from the internet. That way, we're not like ruining anything. But Kubo is a young boy in ancient Japan, and he has to escape the vengeful spirits of his past and unlock a secret legacy. With his magical shamisen, Kubo must fight the Moon King and other monsters to save his family and find out what happened to his father, the greatest samurai the world has ever known. <laughs> ever known. Ever known. The story was was good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I loved the little subtle like twists that they had throughout the movie. Me too. I thought it was really I good. I didn't quite enjoy how slow it was. Yeah, I'll say that too. There were moments where it was a little quiet. You know, it kind of, like, dropped Mm -hmm. the ball a couple of points. But in those points when it did drop the ball, I didn't mind it so much because I was too busy watching the animation. Which is something I know you're into. Like, I enjoy animation, and I really like when I see good animation. But something like this I know is right up your alley. Because it was claymation for the most part, right? Yes, stop motion claymation. Well, not necessarily claymation, but it's stop motion. Yeah, which is... it's really cool but for me that's not so enjoyable to watch oh like i don't mind it and i think it looked good but at the same time i don't know there's just something about it that because it's not fluid it's upsetting to my like my visual prowess huh it's probably because it's a little bit more jerky in the motions yeah all right well never mind then but (laughs) i thought it was gorgeous i really enjoyed the way that all the character design looked and the sets i thought they were all like amazing everything mm-hmm. the way it looked and the colors and you know just everything i thought it was amazing looking what i really enjoyed was that since this is a story that takes place in japan they did use a couple of japanese actors mm-hmm. one of which being george takei however i was disappointed that the two japanese roles were very minor village roles so it was like you know i feel like they should have been more main characters or somebody who was more integral to the story like the moon king of course yeah the two major characters or two of the major characters the mother and the father were played by two white people charlize theron and matthew mcconaughey so yeah they did a great job yeah it was fine but you know really yeah i would have preferred to have heard some sort of an accent in there or something i'm sure the japanese version of this is going to be all japanese voice actors i would hope so the character designs were great you could tell like from the trailers you could tell that this story took place in japan Mm -hmm. which is why we went to go see it we're like oh hey maybe this will be good for the podcast you know and it's the same studio that made the box trolls they Mm -hmm. also made Coraline and the corpse bride and paranorman so Mm -hmm. if you liked any of those movies go check this out too because it's right up the same alley it's the same exact thing basically yeah yeah so i thought all of those movies were great i think the movies are good it's just not easy for me to watch it right which is understandable i didn't know about that so i didn't realize that it wasn't quite your thing yeah i don't i didn't really realize it until i tried to watch two of them back to back within like days of each other either so (laughs) i can definitely tell it's not something up my alley but i I do enjoy how it looks don't get me wrong i love the art and whatnot well i thought it was really cool because in the very intro scene when they're showing kubo's mom in the water which is also in the trailer so it's not like we're spoiling anything Mm -hmm. um 
that whole scene was just like amazing it looked like a painting mm -hmm. you know what i mean so that's what i really liked about it it looked like everything was a piece of art and the fact that they use a lot of origami in there was really cool mm -hmm. i really want to cosplay one of the characters that i saw in the movie one of the sisters mm -hmm. she was amazing so i really i would love to do that because i think that would be awesome but i don't one know one day one day one day but I don't know if uh, who, if a lot of people would get who she was. A lot of the time we go to conventions, we don't. I don't get half of them. Yeah, that, that's a lot true. Of people it's cosplay. not about being recognized. <laughs> a lot of people cosplay some very obscure stuff. That's true. And I think it's just because it's for them and the very select few who would get it. You could be the beetle. I don't want to be the beetle. Who would you be? The little paper samurai. Oh, you could be the little paper samurai. That'd be cool. That would be cool. <laughs> You'd be right. a little too big for the paper samurai, though. Probably. Just saying. It could be my toe. He could be on my shoulder. <laughs> he could be on your shoulder. Pointing me in the right direction. Yeah. There we go. That actually would be pretty cool. <laughs> anyway, Just saying. if you guys like a good Japanese story and you kind of like stop motion animation, like we were saying, you should go check it out. It's a good movie. And there was a lot of Japanese influence. Mm -hmm. They explained some of the cultural points about it, which I thought was really neat. And everything looks like it came straight out of Japan. So yeah, go check it out. Maybe they'll make some toys or something. I would love some of the toys. I think they would be really cool. You can make your own toys out of Play-Doh. What? Because they're clay, claymation. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Did anybody else get that? I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, thought, I, I was trying to save us some money. <laughs> I don't know if they would even have toys for this. I don't know if it would do well enough to generate enough profit that they would want to expand it into figures and things of that nature that's true it's not doing well in the theaters no. even though it's getting like really really good reviews mm -hmm. nobody's going to see it i don't remember paranormal doing great either or yeah carol Coraline, sorry that's I true it's more of one of those things where everybody loves it after it's out on dvd mm -hmm. and they don't go to the but that's so sad you see it on netflix and you go wow this is a really good movie why didn't i go see it in theaters that's sad because it's a dying art form Speaking of disappointment, yes, that people I'm sure are gonna see with Unfortunately, this movie's profit. Unfortunately, yes. Um, really disappointed with the new upcoming Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Survive. Exactly, it's not even a solid. It's, it's just not, Metal it's, Gear. It's just stupid. It's just using the name, and I think it's gonna be a complete flop. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I think it looks Konami's horrible. Just trying to scratch at the surface of something that they used to have and they don't anymore, and so yeah. they want to either a try to show that they can continue the series and they never needed Hideo. Or they're trying to at least get one more game out of its name before they realize just how bad they are without Hideo. Yeah, this stupid. This is their first game without Hideo Kojima, as Justin was saying. And it was announced a couple weeks back at Gamescom in Germany, but it looks so It looks bad. Weird. It, Why? It's weird. All right, so... The trailer shows the base uh, that you build in the Phantom Pain. That you spend all those hours building. building and yeah, it's basically it's destroyed and it's getting sucked into a wormhole. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, Why? weird. Yeah. Like, I know in some of the Metal Gear Solid games, like, there's some, like, creatures who, like, come out of the shadows and, like, spawn everywhere and run really fast and stuff like that. But there's I no wormholes. Like, I thought that was, like, just, like, <laughs> giant, like, science beings that were created or, like super soldiers in a sense you know yeah but anyway so the trailer also continues showing like snake and i believe ocelot escaping in a helicopter but there's others taken into another dimension through that wormhole as soon as the base gets like sucked up into the air we're, mm -hmm. we we both looked at each other and we were like huh? what's happening why why exactly <laughs> but wait there's more suddenly there are zombie creatures mm -hmm. that look more like they're out of resident evil yep. that come with like, instead of having heads they've got these like red crystal kind of pointy things with mouths with mouths yeah and it's like what so you get attacked by one of these things and you end up getting saved by this blonde archer and then you go and you fight zombies in this world things. it's basically metal gear walking dead and then, like, the thing is, like, oh, you have to try to get back home. And you're, like, what? Yeah, so <laughs> you have to fend these things off, like, stab them through fences with knives. Yeah. And shoot them with cool bow and arrow type things. Like, it seems more like a House of the Dead game mm -hmm. than anything. And I'm just, like, why is it this Metal Gear? It didn't even look really that good either, so. No. We it's a multiplayer-only game, too. Right. Which is strange. Yeah. Again, why? They're literally trying too hard. No, they're not trying just, hard enough. No, they're trying too hard to just attempt to get some money yeah. from the name Metal Gear. 
But I feel like they should have just left it alone. They should have. They should have let it let it die. But this is a company that's dying because they just lost its best creator in Hideo Kojima, and they are just attempting to make some form of money from something that they'd probably be their last game on console. Ugh, stupid. So, so like I said, it's a multiplayer-only game. It's only going to cost $30. Why? Because it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and they know it sucks, and so maybe they think they'll get people to be trapped into buying a multiplayer-only game for $30. That's what I think, because they're like, well... This is completely different than anything else in the series. Mm-hmm. Kojima's not attached to it. Yep. People aren't going to want to buy it yep. unless it's half the price. Yep. And then people will be like, oh, well, I'll check it out. No, well, I mean, it's blah, only blah. 30 bucks. I might as well at least give it a shot Yeah. and then hate it. Probably. Yeah. Or maybe it'll be really fun. But the point is, it's not a Metal Gear game. Unless it's like the zombie levels that you can get with like the Call of Duty games, I don't think it's going to be that great. So, Konami's turning its back on console games, and they're going to be focusing only on mobiles and pachinko machines. Which is strange. We don't have pachinko machines here, so I mean, that's no. specifically just a Japanese thing, but hey. Right. But, I mean, at least when we found that out, it explains a little bit more about why they're making these strange decisions. Because mm-hmm. it's like... I guess if they're if they just really want to get rid of this whole console thing, mm-hmm. then I guess destroying a good franchise is the way to do it. But I mean, like I said, that's know. why I think they're just scrapping at the sur- scratching at the surface. Like they know they're not going to be making any more console games, so they're like, let's just try to get one more game out using yeah. the Metal Gear name. Ugh. Bad decision, and it just makes them look bad as a company. And for me, I'm concerned about what that means for Silent Hill and Castlevania. Because as we saw, the last Castlevania game was already not good. Well, maybe Hideo will create something called like silent town silent town <laughs> i mean that's basically what it is they called it silent hill but it was never on a hill that you would see you're just in a town with fog silent hill was the name of the town the, the, the sh- crap okay enough of that we're disappointed and i really Very hope disappointed but see my thing is since they're going to mobile games mm-hmm. i'm afraid that they're going to start putting out like a mobile silent hill or something oh maybe uh, that's my point you right. know what i was really was talking about like mobile games we talked about last week was the star wars one i got a few levels in and it's not bad but it's not great and uh-huh. if that's the route they're going to be going with their mobile games for specifically for konami i don't see it going well so in the near future we might not be seeing konami anymore Maybe we should invest in pachinko machines. Maybe we should. <laughs> um, on to hopefully a better game, Final Fantasy Fifteen. They released more footage on it, and that footage looks amazing, and the gameplay looks amazing, but it got pushed back till November 29th. That's not a whole lot later than what they originally said. It's a month longer. But that's better than like a year. That's 30 days. Yes, but Square Enix is known for pushing things back for unknown amounts of time or like mm, years yeah. so the fact that it's only going to be pushed until november 29th i'm okay with that yeah because it's like okay at least we have a specific date and it's only two months later than what we thought so i'm okay with that yeah we had wanted to do a review on the anime miniseries brotherhood which was also for final fantasy 15 it's only six episodes long but we're still waiting for the other two episodes because it turns out that they're only releasing one episode per month. That's so crazy. Episode five hasn't come out yet. It comes out sometime in September. And then after that, episode six should come out in October. So <laughs> we won't be getting anything on that until it's done already. Yeah. Also, the Kingsglaive movie, Final Fantasy fifteen mm-hmm. again, comes out in theaters for a limited time now or it might be out of theaters by the time this episode comes out because i don't know exactly what the dates are for it but i know that it was out at the time of our recording Mm -hmm. it just wasn't out for us no because we live in the middle of nowhere and unfortunately i was sad to see that there are two theaters not one but two in our old hometown playing the movie and i was like man could always fly out there for it no that's ridiculous. Not worth it. <laughs> I mean, you're such a Final Fantasy like fan, I would have thought, yeah, why not? No. If oh. it would have been playing somewhere nearby us, yeah, I would have wanted to go drive and see it. But I'm not going to go spend hundreds of dollars <laughs> to go see it when it's just going to be out on DVD in a couple of months. Fair enough. So the digital release is available now, and the DVD Blu-ray will be October 4th. It's like a birthday present. Also, the movie is out in Japan already. Is it? And it's been doing really well. It's like number 10 at the box office or something like that. Mm. But then again, Japan's also got a lot more love for Final Fantasy than other places. So well, That's why it's only a limited release here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's everywhere in Japan. As are Pikachus. Pikachus are everywhere in Japan. At least for a little while. Yeah. They had the yearly Pikachu outbreak in Yokohama again. This year, 
they did a little bit of a different theme. It was really, really hot. Mm-hmm. So they did like a water-focused type show. They should have had Magikarps instead of Pikachus then. That would have been <laughs> funny, but you can't flop around in a Magikarp suit. But they could have splashed everybody. But you know what they did instead is they just dressed up a bunch of Pikachus in fun raincoats and stuff like that with like umbrellas. Yeah. And had a lot of fun with it that way. That's cool. So the last couple of years have been more parade-like with dancing, but since, like I said, there was a huge heat wave, they had the Pikachus wearing raincoats and water boots. And then they had, like, splash zones for everybody. And, like, they had super splash zones for people who were really close. And then they just, like, doused everyone in water to try to cool them down <laughs> during the fun events and stuff like that. And then they had, like, an indoor area, too, where they had, like, a Pikachu, like, runway. That had, like, Pikachu's, what? Like, like a dressed, fashion show? Yeah. <laughs> dressed up in a bunch of different kind of, like, clothing. That's funny. Yeah. That seems like it'd be a really fun event to go to. Yeah. So... I thought it was fun to talk about it because we talked about it last year when it happened. And yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about it next year when it happens again. Probably, yeah. But it's fun that they, it's just something consistent that they seem to be doing every year is random Pikachu parade. Yeah. It's pretty cool, though, because the Pikachu costumes are actually really, really high quality, too. Mm-hmm. They're not just, like, the really bad things you see in places. <laughs> <laughs> it's a legit costume. Yeah. No, like, they look great. Yeah, they're awesome. I'm sure they were dying in those suits, though. Yeah, I can only imagine. They would have had to have some way to cool them off, because I'm sure, you know, it's hot in those things. Yeah, you know, one thing I read that was actually kind of cool, they had a lot of vendors there selling, like, different types of t-shirts, and I'm sure some of them were, like, just cheap for the people who didn't bring a change of clothes. So you would go there and say you wanted to get the splash on because it was so hot, and you got wet, you'd go to the vendor, spend a couple bucks, get a t-shirt, and then they had changing rooms for you to put in so you can get into dry clothes. So you didn't oh. have to like suffer in wet clothes for the whole day. That's nice. Yeah. That. I wonder if they were like special commemorative t-shirts. Probably. That would have like, been awesome. Pikachu Parade 2016. Like, <laughs> it was nice of them to do it. Not necessary, but nice. Well, next time we plan our trip, we should go mm. around the time when they do this. Because that would be pretty fun to no, see. That would be fun. Sticking with the theme of Pokemon, a company in Japan has made a Pokemon Go dating mixer. It, it was bound to happen. It's really clever, yeah. actually. They should have done this before with other things. They should have, but this company's taken advantage of the hugely popular Pokemon Go, which we play the heck out of. It's really fun. ENA LTD announced Pokemon Go matchmaking events in Tokyo and Kanagawa. The events are called Pokemon GoCon. Gokan is the Japanese word for matchmaking. They just kind of did a play off of it. So it was mm-hmm. natural, basically. It just kind of worked out perfect. It doesn't seem like it's overly too expensive either. Of course, it's more expensive for the men than it is for the women because you're trying to entice more women to come out to these events. For men, the event costs 2,000 yen. For women, it's only 1,000. Which is um, about $20 and $10. Roughly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's if you book online. If you just show up to the event for the day, it costs 3,000 for the men and 1,500 for the women. Which is about $30 and $15. Participants are all digitally marked in the game, so it's easy to find them. So that makes me think that they have some kind of uh, thing with Niantic to be able to have that done. Right. That's what I was wondering about when I read it. I was mm-hmm. like, how are they going to be marked? Because yeah. as it is now, you don't get to communicate with other players. Yeah. Unless they're in a gym. And even then, you don't communicate. You just see them. And it's not like like uh, it's not just like a sticker on your phone so people can see that. No. You, they're to be marked digitally marked. Yeah, so people can see you somehow. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's different yeah. in Japan versus what we have here. That's true. Maybe you can actually see other players. I hope that they bring a feature like that to us mm-hmm. because that's the thing that I miss uh, is seeing other people around. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm playing by myself. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool. But um, somehow you'll be able to see these other people at the mixers. And then once the events are over, there's going to be a meetup for drinks. And, yep. you know, you can talk with other people and hang out with them and just a good time for everybody. And hopefully they meet somebody nice. And then they also have four other future events planned at parks and popular places. Hopefully the success of this one will be well. And then they can continue on and maybe somebody will bring it over here or something like that and people can just kind of hang out. Because, like, I've already known people who have met other people playing the game and they've become friends or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's easy to start up conversations with other people. And, you know what I mean? It's just a good way to meet people, not necessarily for romantic types of encounters, but just in general. the point of this. It's supposed to be for romanticness. Well, I know. That's what I'm saying. So even though as it is now you may not be trying to meet somebody romantic it mm-hmm. could come out that way so it's it's a good thing that they're doing this is what i'm saying i see okay yeah i just like the fact that you're gonna get to see and know other people who are playing so you're not just guessing like hey that guy walking by he's on his phone is he playing pokemon go 
should I go say hi? Like that might just be really awkward. And I believe they're doing these all on like Pokestops. So I'm sure they're going to put out a lot of lures for people to catch Pokemon as they're walking around talking and That'd be getting awesome. to know everybody. Yeah. When you're there, it would, it, clearly you have the same interest because you're playing the same game and doing the same thing. So it'll be easier to meet a fellow mm-hmm. trainer. Exactly. You know what I mean? At least you have the love of Pokemon. Yeah. Which is enough to at least find out if there's other things people are interested in. Right. Exactly. Enough Pokemon. So when we were in London, we did a lot of Harry Potter stuff, and we also found out that Japan is jumping in on the Harry Potter train as well. In fact, in Japan, they're actually having an event that's not going to be happening here in the U.S. So at Universal Studios Osaka, in their Harry Potter area, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, they're going to have Death Eaters for the Halloween festivities. Which is awesome. And like I said before, it's not going to be in any of the U.S. parks, Mm -hmm. so it's something strictly only in Japan. And I thought it was really cool because it's like clearly they're embracing the dark Harry side. Potter. Yeah. <laughs> so during the day, Hogsmeade Village is going to be regular old Hogsmeade Village, and mm-hmm. people can trick or treat and stuff like that um, during you know the Halloween holidays. But at night, Death Eaters are going to come around, and you'll be able to watch some event called the Death Eater Attack, mm-hmm. and they're going to have like magic and stuff happening, and Which is probably awesome. some wand fights and stuff, and. Hopefully nobody will get Avada Kedavra, but, you know, you never know. <laughs> I hope there's some people who cosplay as, like, a normal wizard when they show up and during the day, but then at night they also are able to, like, flip on a hood and put on a mask <laughs> and be a Death Eater even yeah. though they're not really part of the show. Right. I think that'd be just really fun. So the attacks are going to happen from September 14th to November 6th. So a if long you're time. planning on going, you know, it'd be a fun thing to check out. It's basically two months worth of opportunity to go over there and check it out. And it's not unlike... You know what Disneyland does during the holidays for Halloween? They decorate the park out and the night before Christmas kind of takes over and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So it's really cool that they're doing that for Harry Potter. Although we still have no idea about the wizarding school in Japan. No. Uh, Do you have anything else you would like to add about Pokemon Go or Harry Potter? No. Alright, that about does it for this episode. If you guys get the chance, look us up at Cast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. You can also subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music. If you guys would like to send us a message, maybe suggest some animes or mangas you want us to check out, hit us up at supersugoycast at gmail.com. You can also check out our shirts and other stuff at notlg.spreadshirt.com. Check out the Night of Living Geeks Network, notlg.com. And thanks to Alex Barroza for our music. We'll put the link so that way you can check out some more. Anyway, you guys. Bye. Night of the Living